Agadiar. All right, so today's daf is daf pe gimel, page 83 in the Halig Gimesechus Ksubis. Brand new parak, parak tes, the ninth parak. Let us get going. We're familiar with a lot of these concepts, not really a, a, you know, a, a new idea. We're already familiar, so we don't need much of an introduction. Other than, uh, other than a little bit of a preparation for the Mishnah itself. So here we go. This Mishnah is going to give a storyline. The storyline is a husband writes a document to his wife stating that he's removing his rights from the Nikhse Malug, from the Malug properties. Now, what rights does a husband have in Malug properties? So we're aware of three rights that he has in the property. Number one, he gets the payros. He gets the produce. Number two, if his wife dies, it becomes his. He inherits it. She owns it, but if she dies, it's going to become his. The husband inherits the wife. And, huh? The, not, not just the milut, but also the uh, Yeah, but we're dealing here with... with you know, we want, we're going to focus on Malug property because Malug property is really some, you know, included in it is, is dowry money that the, the family sent in with her to the marriage. Right? So she's going to, it's going to be hers, the Malug property. But the husband gets the produce during the marriage. The husband's going to inherit her. And also, the husband has rights to stop her from selling the land. All right. Now the husband's going to go in our Mishnah and write a contract stating he's removing his rights from the Malug property. What does he mean by that? Does he mean he's removing his rights completely? Does he mean he's removing some of his rights? If it's some, which ones? It's not so clear. So the Gemara... The Gemara is going to, later on, well, it's going to be on today's daf, but not, not initially, but later on the Gemara, the Gemara is going to uh, allow us, the, is, is going to teach us that whenever you have a, a, a document that's written that's not so clear what the husband wants to accomplish, we're going to follow the plan that has the least impact on him. Because what you could what what the, the, what you're supposed to do is say, listen, you wrote a contract. It's not so clear what you meant. Whichever one is the least impact on you, the you know to take away the least amount of rights, that's going to be what you know. That's going to be our initial reaction. Take away the least amount from the husband. So with that in mind, let's get to our mission. Again, the husband's going to write a document, and we only want to take away the least. Impact on him. So, a guy writes to his wife, I have nothing to do with your properties anymore. I'm moving my rights from your property. You can keep eating the produce. You hear this? So, he wrote, I don't do your property. Guess what? You can still eat the produce. The Emesa, and if she dies, he still is Yarsha. He still inherits her. I don't understand. He just said he has nothing to do with the property. Says the Mishnah, Why, If he's eating the produce and he's going to inherit her, what did he mean when he wrote, 
I got nothing to do with your property. You certainly do. What he means is he's allowing her to sell it. This third right that a husband generally has to stop the sale, that's what he's removing from himself. In other words, what the Mishnah is letting us know is the selling of land is the least impactful on the husband's rights. And the Gemara is going to have to clarify this. But be it as it may, that's what's happening here. He's got three rights. He wrote a statement here that's not so clear. We're going to take away the least impactful one on him. And what's that? She has the right to sell her land if she chooses. Okay. What happens if the document doesn't only say, I have nothing to do with your property, but he even wrote in produce. Here we go. Kosavla, he writes to her, I have nothing to do anymore with, your, with the real estate or the produce. What's the halacha then? What does he mean? Says the Mishnah. So, now you're not allowed to eat produce anymore. You just said, you're going to do the produce. However, he's still going to inherit the land. We're going to take away his rights to stop her sale. We're taking away his rights to eat. But as far as his right to inherit her, he'll still inherit the land if she dies. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda, you get what's happening here? There's three rights, and we're trying to remove the, the rights step by step. Rebuta says, says, You should know, a husband is always allowed to eat the fruit of the fruit. Unless he writes, Unless he writes, I'm not doing your produce, or the produce of the produce forever. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean, I'm not doing the produce of the produce? See, here's what happens. A husband writes to his wife, I have nothing to do with your produce. I have no access to it. So you know what we do? She owns the land, she gets the produce. What do you do with the produce now? What is she going to do with it? You know what we do with it? We sell it. And with that money, we buy her more land that belongs to her. That more land that belongs to her is now going to produce. Can the husband eat the produce of the field that's there because it was purchased with produce money? So says Rabbi Yehuda, you hear, right? Says Rabbi Yehuda that the, to eat the produce from land that was purchased by selling the original produce, the husband can do that. Even if he says, I'm going to do the produce, he still could use the produce of the land purchased with produce unless... He writes in the thing, I have nothing to do with, your, with all your fruit forever and ever and ever. Then, even if we sell it and she's buying more land, he can never eat the produce. Okay. Very good. What happens if Kasavla, he writes a document to his wife, Dinu Dvarim, Ainli bin I've got no attachment at all to your property, or to its produce, or the produce of the produce, whether you're alive or dead, this is including inheritance now, so now he's not letting fruit anymore, and he's no longer going to inherit her anymore, <coughs> excuse me, and now he's completely removing his rights. 
Reb Shimon, uh, Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel, Reb Shimon says, no, in Mesa Yershana, here he will continue to inherit her. Why? Didn't he write, I have nothing after your death? He says, yes. However, to remove his rights to an, of inheritance is actually a condition against a verse in the Torah, which states explicitly, Rashi quotes the puzzle, states explicitly that a husband inherits a wife, and anybody who makes a condition about something that's written in the Torah, tonight bottle, his condition is null and void. I'll give you something on condition that uh, you eat pork. The condition doesn't matter. The, 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 whole thing, uh, the whole thing's a waste of time. So Rashi Gamal says, the same thing's true with a husband saying to his wife, I'm no longer uh, going to inherit you. The Torah says, the husband inherits her. That's a, it says, the, the Pasuk says, the Yarash Isa, and the husband inherits her. Okay. So, he's, so uh, says Rashi Gamal, a, a, a husband does not have a right to relinquish his rights of inheritance. Very interesting Mishnah. Let's get to the Gemara. Tani It says, if a person says to his wife, yeah, now, this is not the case of our Mishnah. What do our Mishnah say? What are the first words? Hakosev le'ishto. You write it in a document. Rebchia taught that this halacha would hold true even if a person says it to his wife. You could remove your rights to a property by a statement. Says the Gemara, if you, if you write such a thing to your wife, what, what do you gain by it? How does it even work? A person says to, to uh, his friend, I have no involvement in this field at all, nor am I going to be involved in business with it at all, okay? Meaning, Rashi explained, we're dealing with here a case of a partnership where one partner says, I'm done, I'm out. I've got nothing to do with this field anymore. My hand is separated from this. It doesn't, you didn't accomplish anything. So you see, just saying, I have nothing to do with the field, doesn't, uh, is not impactful. So why is it that when the husband's writing this to his wife, we're saying it is impactful. You make a declaration and you say, I'm going to do the field. Oh, okay, fine, you lose. What do you mean? All you do is declaration. If your partners just make a declaration, that's not going to do anything. I'm going to be We explain the yeshiva of Rabbi Yanai. Because of love, Aida Arusa, we're dealing with a case where a husband already writes the removal. He's writing about the removal of his rights while she's in a state of Arusa. So she, he never really had yet a, a hand in the land. Kid Rav Kahana, which is following the opinion of Rav Kahana. The Amma Rav Kahana, Nachla Habal Adam Makam Acher, when a person has an inheritance that's coming from a different place, meaning it's not coming as, as uh, from, from parents, it's coming as inheritance through marriage, Adam Masala Shalayushan. A person is allowed to make a tenai about it, let them make a condition that they don't plan on inheriting it. Okay? So in other words, according to Rav Gahana, you, uh, you cannot say, I'm making a declaration that I won't inherit my own dad. I won't inherit my mom. That's not going to work. But to make a declaration that you're not going to inherit through marriage, um, a, a person is permitted to, uh, uh, such a declaration would be valid. Okay? You, didn't, you don't have the land yet. You don't have Nisuin. You're in a state of Arison. 
you could remove your rights before you even start. Uchid Rava. And this also is following the opinion of Rava. Da'amar Rava. Rava says, If a person says, I know the rabbis made a decree to my benefit. I know the rabbis made a decree which, is, which I have what to benefit from. For example, the husband over here receiving the nechsei maluk, receiving the produce, right? First one say, I don't need it. Like this case, Shoimelai will listen to him. And therefore, he's, uh, he, he has a right to remove his, he has the right to remove his rights. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? A woman is allowed to say to her husband, Yep. As we learned previously, a husband's obligated to feed his wife in, in, a, in a transactional way that he receives her earnings. That's to her benefit. We want to make sure she has food. What if a wife says to her husband, don't feed me anymore. I don't want food. I don't want cereal for breakfast. Don't purchase food. And I'll keep my own income. Could she do that? The halacha is, yes. A person has the right to refuse something that Chazal instituted, which was meant to be to their benefit. If I specifically say, you know, in my situation, it's not beneficial for me, so uh, I, I don't want it, I have a right to do that. So to over here, a husband has the ability to remove his rights from nechsei malug, which are given to him midrabonah. Says the Gemara, okay, well then I have a question, because all nechsei malug rights are coming to him midrabonah, whether it's during Erisin or whether it's during Nesuin. So why are we saying, if you have a right to, to waive a benefit that the sages give you, why are we only doing this by Erison? Even if they were in a state of Nesuin when he wrote this document, we should say it's okay, it's valid. If it's true that a person has the ability to remove any uh, that was meant to be for their benefit, why are we only allowing him to do this if he's in a state of Erison? Why not in a state of Nesuin? Rabaye, Rabaye explains, because Nesua, once you have Nesuin, the issue is, Yadai ki yada. Their two hands become the same. They mamish become equal partners in the land. And when you become an equal partner, you go back to the beginning of our Gemara, uh, which is that one partner cannot remove his ownership of the land through a mere declaration to the other partner. There actually has to be a transaction. But, if he says it during Arison, when he's not yet considered a partner, you don't need a real Kenyan. You don't need a real uh, transaction to happen. You're saying before it even starts, I don't have the right. Okay? So that's one answer. Rav Amar, Rav says, You should know that he even has a stronger hand than her. He even has like a stronger element of, uh, of ownership. And that's another reason why he can't just remove it. And the difference in these two, the, these two answers is going to be with a Shemeres Yavam. Okay? Shemeres Yavam, we're, we're familiar with that case, right? Reuven dies, childless. He leaves over his wife Rachel to Shimon. So, um, and then the Shemeres Yavam passes away. What happens with her estate? Um, that, uh, you know, if she passes away while she's waiting in Yibam, so we had a Machlaikas, whether uh, who, who's inheritors are going to get. Is it going to go back to her family? Is it going to go back to his family? Fine. Ibailu, they asked the question searching for information. What is the halacha? If you have two partners, one says, one gives up his rights to the other one. 
Okay? So what happened? So Rashi explains like this. Reuven and Shimon are partners. Shimon wants to say, I'm relinquishing my ownership to Reuven. And in order to make it a real transaction, he, uh, he says, you know, you get the, my half of the land and you give me your yarmulke. I'll make a Kenyan on your yarmulke. They, they, they exchange, okay? Um, is that strong enough of a Kenyan to remove ownership? That's the, that's the Ibailu. That's the question we have here, searching for information. Okay. So says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yosef, Midinu Dvarim Konami Yodai. Midinu Dvarim, meaning as far as um, creating a judgment, Udvarim, and any sort of words, any sort of disagreement, Konami Yodai. So his, uh, the, the other partner made an acquisition from him. Rav Nachman Amar, Rav Nachman says, Migufa Shalkarka Konami Yodai, that it's from the actual land itself. That the owner is is uh, receiving the ownership that, that the other partner is receiving full ownership of. Now let's explain. Let's explain. I want to go back. We're about to explain the machlokes, but even before that, let's stop for a minute. Let's pause and and clarify what's happening here. We said we started with a shaila. The shaila was that you have you have partners. We said it's not enough for a person to remove their ownership just by saying, I'm no longer dinu dvarim alai. I no longer have anything to do with uh, financially with this field. Okay? So the shaila is, what happens if a Kenyan Khalipin was done? What happens if a Kenyan Khalipin was done? Now why would Khalipin be any different? So if you look in Rashi, Dibur Hamaschel, Konami Yodai Mahu, it's like three lines before it gets really wide in the Yombud. You see that, Dibur Hamaschel? Konami Yodai Mahu. So we'll do the beginning of this Rashi. Rashi explains the Shaila here. Rashi says, Abraisa, this is going back on the Braisa of Ha'omer Lechaveroi, Dinu Dvarim Eli Al Sadezukai. One partner says to his friend, I no longer have any financial involvement in this field. As far as our mission is concerned, it's not going to strengthen her kayach. You know, just a speech without expression of gift is enough. To remove him, even from the guf of the karka, from the ownership uh, uh, of the karka that we're that we're dealing with, I apologize. Now, now look three lines from the bottom. Look at Rashi Mahu. Mi amrin on hikne bechalifin halalu klum v'loy amar lealaloshin dinu dvarim. Maybe the chalipin is only there to strengthen his inappropriate statement of dinu dvarim. One partner says to the other partner, I have nothing to do with this field anymore. And then he goes and makes a Kenyan Chalipin. Was the Kenyan Chalipin done to strengthen the original statement? And if it's done in that way, it didn't work. Because the original statement 
of dinu dvarim, I have nothing to do with this anymore, is an invalid statement. So if your das of the chalipin is to strengthen that, so nothing happened. But if the das of the chalipin is that I expect this to be what's creating the transaction, I expect this to be the sole kinyan, then it'll, be, then it'll work. So that's the shayla. Here's how it's beautiful. The shayla is, once the, din, once the inappropriate statement is said, and then a kinyan is done, how do you view the actual act of kinyan? On its own and valid, or going back on the inappropriate statement and not valid? So on that, Rabbi Yosef says that it's going back on the words of Din Udvarim, and therefore it's not valid. And Rav Nachman says, no, the transaction is done for the actual body of land, and therefore it's a valid gift of one partner to the other. All right, let's get into the Machalikas now. Om Rabbi. Abai says, Mistavra, it's logical, Milsa de Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef's approach, saying that the Kinyan is going back on the original statement and therefore invalid, it make, makes more sense, top of Amud Beis, in a case where the partner, after he says, oh, this is wrong, if right afterwards he's like, no, 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 I don't understand. Why are you taking my land? Why are you taking my land? What do you mean? Because you just said up for grabs. Okay, but if right after he's like, he, he, uh, he starts protesting, he creates an error, so now we're going to say, okay, fine. We, we understand what you meant and really it's not valid. But what happens? The, the partner says, I have nothing to do with the land. And then he does a kidney chalipin. And he doesn't do anything for a, for a little bit. He's aimed. He's just standing there. Everyone would agree that it's valid. He's acquired the land. Amram Amar, you see the other guy taking over the whole field and you stand there quietly. It must be that your intention was to give it to him as a present. Amram Amar, Amar says, the halacha is, it's an acquisition. When you have the chalipin after the statement. When is the halacha like that? Always? My nafkamina is going to be like Rabbi Yosef. Right? We explain Rabbi Yosef's opinion. That if the guy screams right after the partner takes it, the partner takes his 50%. He's like, I never meant to give it to you. I'm like, okay, fine, you can have it back. If he, if he stands there, doesn't say nothing, so then it'll be valid. So that'll be an nafkamina. Yeah, I don't think there's a difference. I don't think there's a difference. There's no difference whether the guy is uh, complaining about it a minute later, whether the guy's complaining about it a few days later. The bottom line is, when somebody says, a partner says to another partner, I'm not involved with this land anymore, and he does a Kenyan Chalipin with the partner, it's over. You sold, you gave it as a present to him. It was acquired with Chalipin. End of the story. You cannot take it back. Okay. Givaldik. Now the Gemara is going to clarify. We really spoke this out when we learned the Mishnah. But our Gemara is going to clarify the opening, the opening reasoning of why when a husband writes to a wife, I'm removing my rights from your property, why doesn't that apply to everything? See, here we go. If it's not going to apply to, any, to all the property he gave her, 
Why did he write it like that? It says, Why doesn't the wife say, hey, you said you have nothing to do with the property? That means you lost your right to produce, you lost your right to inheriting, you lost your right to stop me from selling. All three. Um, Rabbi Abai says, no, the wife can't say that because Yad Bala Shtar Alach Tachtaina. Whoever has the star has the lower hand, meaning whoever wrote the star has the upper hand. He wrote the document, so we're going to rely on this him to explain what this vague document was meant to say. We're going to rely on him. Fe'emami Peri says, Gemara, okay. <coughs> so if we're going to remove some of his rights from the, if we're going to remove some of his rights from the Nechsei Melug, why are we saying that he's removing the rights to stop her sale? Why don't we say that he's removing his rights to use the fruit? Amr by explains, because one is right now and one is later. Meaning, if a person would give up one right, they prefer to give up that one right that's um, going to possibly happen later and hold on to the rights that are allowing him to eat right now. People are more willing to go something that's down the road than they are something that's here now. Amrabai says, Okay, but maybe he's going to remove himself from Yerusha. He wants to give up his rights to Yerusha, but he still wants to hold on to the rights to stop her sale. Amrabai, no. Death always happens. Women don't always sell their nichse malug. It's actually uncommon because remember, the malug properties that they would bring in came from their father's family. It was part of the estate of the father. We women weren't quick to sell it. It wasn't. It wasn't such a common thing. And therefore, when a person's going to remove their rights from something, and we're going to choose one thing that he meant, we're going to think that he meant something that's less impactful on him, which is something that's more that, that's less common. So he's going to remove his rights from stopping her sale. Something that's common, he doesn't remove himself. People, uh, there's nobody who lives forever. So as far as the rights to inheriting, we're going to assume that he held on to the rights. He, he held on to the rights of inheriting, but he gave up the rights to stop her from selling, because that's so rare anyway. Okay. Ravashi Yomar, Because in our, remember our mission, he said, um, I'm removing my rights to your nechasim, to your property, the lai b'peiraseyem, and I'm not removing my rights from your peros. And I'm removing my rights from your property, but I'm not removing my rights from something that happens when it's not your property anymore, which is after she dies. So, so uh, two more tirutzim on that. Beautiful. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda Aimer. Rabbi Yehuda says, and this is a, a, again a quote from the Mishnah. Even if he says, I'm removing my rights. To eat the produce, he's allowed to eat the produce of the produce. Now, what's produce of the produce? So we explained this when we learned the Mishnah, but now the Gemara is going to teach us. When we learned the Mishnah, we explained, right, that they, if he's removing his rights from the produce, what do you do with it? You sell the produce for land that becomes more nechsei malug of hers, and then there's further produce. So Tanrabban the Rabbis don't associate Elohim Paris, Elohim Paris. What's considered produce? And what's considered the produce of produce? Hachnisa like Karkov Asisa Paris, if she brings Nechse Melug into the marriage and it grows fruit, Harehain Paris, that is regular produce. Machar Paris, now they sell the produce. Vlogach Bem Karki, you purchase land with it. Vasa Paris, that second land 
grows fruit, hareza peri peris, that's considered produce of the land that was purchased with produce, and that is what the husband is allowed to um, is allowed to uh, keep gaining from, even if he renounced his rights to the produce. Ibailahu, they ask a question searching for information. Rabbi Huda peri peris dafka. When Rabbi Huda says that he's allowed to eat fruits of fruits, does he mean specifically fruits of fruits? Aidoma ad aidoma, or maybe he means ad aidam dafka. See, fruits of fruits means it grew produce. I sold it. I bought more land, and that's producing. Ad means I take that second produce, sell it, buy more land that produces, sell it, buy more land that produces ad forever. Or maybe each one is specific. Each one specific. It's tavka. Meaning, if you want to remove, if a husband wants to remove his ability to eat peire peireis, he has to say that. And if he wants to remove his ability to eat uh, ad oilam, he has to say that as well. Otherwise, we'll allow it. So in other words like this, the Gemara is asking very simple. Let's say husband says, I'm forbidding myself peris and peri peris. What about peri peri peris? What about when he already sold two pieces of land and out? Is that okay? Or did he already mean no? That already meant forever. Or do you mamish have to say out of Do you have to say always, forever, never? Now imtim slamer peri peris If you're going to say that he has to say produce of pro- produce out of well. And why does he have to say Araylam? Hakamashwalan, the Khidish must be Kivan the Kosovla Periperis, Kiman the Kosovla Aram Dami. Once you write Periperis, it's as if you're writing uh, you know, even further fruits down the line. Because we're, we're basically saying that Arailam is not gonna be impactful anyway. Vimtim Shalemar Araylam Daf, you're gonna say that Arailam it is important to say, it's also Dafka, Periperis Namli. So why do you gotta mention Periperis? All you need to say is I'm forbidding on myself, peris ad oilam. Why I got to say, I'm forbidding myself, peris, 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 ad oilam. Why are you mentioning that? It's extra words, you understand? If, I wanna, if he wants to forbid fruit, fruits of fruit, and forever fruit, just say, I'm forbidding fruit always. Why are you saying, I'm forbidding fruit, and the fruit of the fruit always? Unnecessary. Hakamash the, the Chiddush we hear must be, even though he wrote fruit of fruit, produce of produce, if he writes ad oilam, so then it's taka going to be forever. But if he doesn't write ad oilam, then it's only going to be forbidden for the second, for the fruits of fruits. But the fruits of the fruits of fruits, that would be permitted to him unless he wrote ad oilam. And if you're going to tell me that both of them are dafka, both periperis and aralim are specific, tarti lamali. So then I don't understand. Why do, why do I need both? Listen to this. They're both mean aralim. They're both aralim. So Mar says, no, tzricha, because of the periperis, because of the aralim, if I would have just said fruits of fruits, and I would have written forever, have I mean a periperis, I would say you can't eat fruit of fruit. He can't eat anymore avopere, the pere pere sochel. But the fruits that are created from the fruits 
that were sold from the previous fruits, I would say that could be eaten. Like we explained before. Only until the third fruit is it going to be from him. Lahachi is So I got to add out Elam, even past that. But then what's our question? Why did you need why did he need to say? He should just say I'm forbidding fruits at Elam. Because of Elam, because of Periperis, have I mean Elam Periris Kai? I would say he's only going on the original fruit. Maybe I would say, if he would just say, I'm forbidding myself fruit at Elam, you know what he means? The original fruit of that original property is forbidden on me forever. But not if it's sold. Beautiful. So now, let's pause and just get clarity. It sounded complicated, but it's actually quite simple. What we're walking away is like this. The husband writes to his wife, I am forbidding on myself from your nechsei malug, the fruits, the fruits of the fruits, forever and ever. What's the halacha? Can't eat it. We said, one second, if fruits of the fruits means forever, why aren't you just saying, why doesn't he just say to his wife, I'm forbidding peros ad olam. I'm forbidding the fruits forever. And I would know that the fruits of the fruits and the fruits of the fruits of the fruits and the fruits of the are also awesome. Why you got to mention peripheries? Don't mention that. You say fruits forever. See, why I was giving a simple answer. See, I'll tell you why. If the husband would just state, I'm forbidding fruits, the fruits, ad oilam, forever, I would say it means I'm forbidding the original fruit forever. I wouldn't know that we're even including fruits of fruits. That original produce is what he's saying for the rest of his life is forbidden on him. Therefore, the, the way it's written is, I'm forbidding fruits, and I'm forbidding fruits of fruits. Now I'm, now I'm including even produce that's purchased. And then I say, now I know that everything's included in what he's separating himself from. He's removing his rights completely from stopping her ability to sell or possibly even inherit and eat that produce. Okay. Next, Shaila. Ibailahu, they ask the question searching for information. Kosav law, if a husband writes to a wife, Dinu Dvarim Ainli bin Aksayich, I have neither, I have no sort of Dinu Dvarim, I have nothing, I've got no skin in the game over here in your property. Or in the fruits of the fruits. So he skipped Paris. All he wrote is, I've nothing to do with your land or the fruits of fruits. Mahu Sheikh Paris. Is he allowed to eat initial produce? Do we say he only removed his rights from the second fruit? He never removed his rights from the original fruit. Or is it all inclusive? Yeah, or is it all inclusive? Once you say, I've got to do it with your land, I've got to do it with the fruits of the fruits, it means even the original fruit. That's the shayla. Says the Gemara, I don't understand your question. Pshita, it's obvious that we call mili salak nafshe. It's obvious he means he's got nothing to do with this at all. You know why? If you're going to tell me he only separated from peri peris, 
Miperi leislog nafshi not from fruits. Kiman dachlin leperes. Well, once he eats the fruits, peri peris mehicha. There's not going to be fruits of fruits. Shmak. Why is he saying? Why is he saying I'm for refraining from fruits of fruits? How is it possible to have peri peris? You know how it's possible to have peri peris? If she retains the rights to the original fruit, you sell it. But if she never retained the rights to the original fruit, whose is it? The husband's. Listen closely. If he never removed his rights, who owns the fruit? The husband. If that fruit gets sold, who owns the land? The husband. It's his fruit. So would Pere Peros even start? Does she have land purchased from her fruit? No, because it's not her fruit. Says the Gemara, it's obvious that if he says Pere Peros, he also means the original fruit, because otherwise she's not going to have that extra land to produce more fruit. It'll be his. It's good svar. Says the Gemara, one second. According to your reasoning, this one to the mission, says, that he could continue eating peri-peris. Once she's eating the fruit, where are you getting the land? Ella, I'll tell you what's happening. I'll tell you a very simple answer. You eat the fruit. Well, guess what? There's always leftovers. And you can sell the leftovers. So our case as well. We're talking about where maybe the husband, Taka, it's his, but he sold it. And now there's more land. And that's what he means by peri-peris. That's what he means. He's only removing his rights from the land that was bought with the produce. But very good. He's not dealing specifically with the first land. Period. Gavaldic, two dots. Rashingamil says that Rashingamil um, is of the opinion that a husband is not allowed to remove himself from inheriting the wife because the Torah says he inherits the wife. Amar Rav, Rav says, The halacha is like Rashimim Gamliel, but however, He's wrong as to the reasoning. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? What does that mean? If the halacha is like who says the husband always inherits the wife, but it's not because of his reason. says, if you make condition against what the Torah says, it's not a valid, it's not a valid condition. But Rav Samar and Rav's going to say, it is a valid condition because of the problem is, Rav says that inheriting uh, a husband inheriting a wife is going to be midrabanon. And the chachamim establish, and we find this very often, their halachas become even stronger than the Torah. Sometimes the sages had to institute a a strengthening of their decree so people take it seriously, even more than than a Torahic thing. So the same way we find that you're not allowed to make a condition on what the Torah says. You can't be masna al-masha kosav Torah. You can't make a condition against what the Torah says. There are certain decrees of the sages where they say, you can't make a condition about our decree either. We're strengthening our decree to such a point where the same way you can't circumvent a biblical obligation, you can't circumvent this reality either of a husband inheriting a wife. And the Chav also chizikul devreim, Yaiser Mishal Taira. I'll say the Chum also strengthened their words even stronger than the Taira. Top of tomorrow's daf. And is Rav going to say 
that when a person's mashna kosa batayra, it's going to be valid. But we learn a guy says to his friend, you know, I'm going to sell you a can of soda for ten dollars. Now, usually that's ripping someone off. You're charging more than a sixth of the going rate. I say I'm going to sell it to you for ten bucks on condition you have no ona claim against me. Okay, Rav Amar he could demand his money back. Why? You made a condition about the, something the Torah forbade. Torah says you can't, you can't charge. I said, oh, I'm going to do it on condition that it doesn't exist. You can't do that. Shmuel says, no, no, no. It's okay. Bottom line is, what's Rav's opinion? When you're masne al-masha kosov Tanoi bottle. So you see, he agrees with Roshimig Amlil. Why is he saying halacha is like Roshimig Amlil, but for a different reason? Rav should agree with Roshimin ben Gamliel's reason. What's his issue with it? That's the question. We'll hold it here for today, Besam. We'll pick up with this question tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. A good yard.